Hi there, welcome in. This is Downtown, the podcast. I'm Rich Kimball, producer Carrie Haskell, joining me here in our Zone Radio studios in Bangor, Maine. Downtown radio show airs every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time on WZON, WKIT HD3 streaming audio on our website at downtownwithrichkimball.com and by downloading the WZON app. We are brought to you every week by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Well, just one guest on the program this week, been a fan of his work for, uh, well, more than 20 years now, uh, Richard Schiff, best known for his Emmy award-winning portrayal of Toby Ziegler in The West Wing. But he's had quite a career with a number of appearances in films and television shows, and these days keeping very busy. Uh, He was on Ballers on HBO, the new series, The Good Doctor, uh, wrapping up over the course of the next couple of weeks, its second season. He's in Counterpart with J.K. Simmons, and along the way has worked with some of the biggest names in Hollywood. Along with his work as an actor, uh, Richard Schiff, an activist as well, and uh, we learned a lot about that when we had a lengthy conversation with him Uh, talking initially about uh, politics, the state of the world, and then discussing uh, both the good doctor and his work on the West Wing, and even a little conversation about a possible, although improbable, reboot of the show that he suggested to Aaron Sorkin. But we uh, began our conversation with actor Richard Schiff talking about the state of affairs in the Trump administration and uh, the old adage that held true during Watergate, of follow the money. The money's going to go right to the oligarchs in uh, in Russia, um, through South Africa, and into uh, into the NRA mm-hmm. and other um, uh, institutions in this government that supported President Trump. There's no there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt that the facts are not are, are indisputable, right? I mean, let's put it this way: the 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 uh, what we what we can reasonably conclude based on evidence that the public has leads to um, uh, impeachable offenses uh, in numerous areas. Right. The question is, can you get uh, uh, um, a prosecution um, case uh, strong enough to convince capitulating Republicans to impeach? And that's the and that's the question. Well, particularly yeah, if some of that uh, dirty money, as I suspect it has, has made their way to their pockets through the NRA. Well, or, and other, uh, no doubt about that. And well, directly from campaign um, finance, uh, from campaign contributions, no doubt about that. But um, look at the Rubio's three million dollars mm. case in point. But. Um, uh, it, it goes beyond that, I think, because you got to look at someone like Lindsey Graham and you got to wonder how someone who forcefully criticized um, using very harsh and insulting language uh, President Trump as a, uh, when he was candidate Trump and who was now um, tailed between his legs uh uh, being the, uh, the, the obedient um, German shepherd uh, sitting <laughs> at his ankles. So, uh, and how, how is that possible, and why did that happen? Well, we, we wonder someone, the same here's thing. Someone who, here, here's someone who was uh, compatriots with John McCain, who was a true mav- maverick for most of his career. And, um, and uh, the day 
McCain died, this guy turned into, uh, uh, you know, an, an attack, uh, an attack dog for the president. And so, uh, we'll, you got to look at the motivation for that. So is it, is it just money? I doubt it. It's gotta be something else. It's gotta be that, um, he is compromised in some way by, 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 um, you know, by much of the, uh, uh, you know, by, by something, uh, either the Russians or Trump or somebody has on him, right? I, it, it's, it's way beyond any, any plausible, uh, details of a really good, uh, thriller novel, you know? <laughs> well, we, we wonder the, the same thing. Go, come on, this can't be, come on, you're pushing, how can this guy do this? And how can that guy do that? It's beyond comprehension. And, we we uh, wonder the same thing here in Maine about Susan Collins, our our moderate in name only. Yeah, Susan Collins, Jeff Flake. Why do you know? He's a guy who's retiring and clearly was uh, uh, pained in in the uh, uh, what's his name hearings, the uh, Kavanaugh the Kavanaugh hearings. Uh, clearly, uh, uh, morally compromised in his. Uh, you know, it was all written all over his face, and yet he still couldn't vote against him in the end. So, um, I don't know what's going on, but it's uh, it's you know, it's the end of the it's the end of democracy if this isn't uh, redirected in, in a path that that um, that corrects all this crap. I I don't get it. I don't get why. You go back to the Nixon um, impeachment, and Republicans were very reluctant. But once it became clear and and irrefutable that uh, uh, the president that Nixon was was guilty, and then tried to obstruct justice, uh, they t- they voted for impeachment. And um, when will the, these capitulators get to the point of doing that? You know, it, it didn't happen in Nazi Germany. It didn't happen in Soviet Russia. It, you know it. Didn't happen in Cuba. Didn't happen in Spain with Franco. You know when do the capitulators turn on the uh, on the dictator? I don't know. Well, and, and somebody pointed out recently we're we're caught up in all of this with with Trump directly and with the money and with Russia. And then the other scandal is what's gone on with the incredible cast of of criminals that he's appointed to his cabinet and to his staff that that make the people surrounding Nixon look like uh, Boy Scouts. Yeah, well, except for Spiro Agnew, who was just <laughs> an out-and-out, you know, crime dog. He was just a, he was just a gangster, you know. Um, uh, so Agnew kind of fits the bill for the Trump administration. But, um, yeah, you're right. And the, the number, the quantity alone is quite uh, remarkable and, uh, and, and revelatory. And it's yeah. as if, and the, I don't the, think it was the Trump. The day that Manafort was chosen, and I looked up his uh, his 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 resume, if you will, uh, right from that very day in 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 December in, in the summer of sixteen, uh, I knew that uh, that Russia was involved in this in this uh, um, in this coup d'état, right? Because uh, it was clear that Manafort was connected to oligarchs, mm-hmm. was responsible for for um, uh, supporting the dictator in the Ukraine, 
um, and had very nefarious and questionable business dealings. And then Flynn <laughs> was, <laughs> you know, sitting next to Putin at dinners and and Tillerson on top of that after the fact, after he became president. Tillerson, um, although he's probably more respectable than most in this, uh, uh, you know, of, of, of the most wanted list, <laughs> um, he he was the chairman CEO of uh, of Exxon. Exxon was in the middle of of, of doing deals with Gazneft and with um, Russian oil companies to uh, explore and and excavate the northern regions of Russia, which Russia did not have the technology uh, to do. So uh, they needed Exxon and um, uh, and Tillerson was right in the middle of all that. So he's the one that's appointed Secretary of State. Uh, I mean, come on. This is all very clear and obvious. I'm getting depressed. Should, should we talk acting for a bit? Sure. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about your series of The Good Place. Uh, last night, some good news for Dr. Glassman, but but I understand you took the role uh, knowing perhaps uh, how it would end for him in your discussions with the producer, David Shore. Well, uh, firstly, I, I hear the good place is a very good show. Oh, the good place! I think good doctor. Thank you. Yes, there's both so many, are good. There's so many uh, copycats for the title of the good something <laughs> or other, starting with the good wife. Um, uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, we had a discussion. It's just that I saw on the pilot um, just one line, which uh, popped out at me, and I asked David, "Is he dying?" And David said, "Yeah." <laughs> so I knew uh, I knew off the bat that um, uh, that there was going to be an issue uh, coming uh, fairly soon in the storyline. Now, the good doctor has become a huge hit. Well, what is it about this show that you think has enabled it to connect so much with audiences? Well, that's a good question. I think that's a question that if anyone uh, could answer. Um, uh, Definitively, uh, they would be the heads of all the studios, right? <laughs> um, uh, and uh, have a very big house somewhere. Um, <clears throat> uh, I don't really know. I, I, my guess is that uh, uh, you have a character, the lead character, uh, played by the wonderful Freddie Highmore, who is um, uh, very sympathetic because he's challenged, um, he's somewhat innocent. Uh, doesn't understand how things work. He's really an outsider. And on some level, at every, uh, every one of us at some point in our lives, if not all points of our lives, we feel like an outsider and we feel like an underdog and we feel um, unfairly challenged uh, by circumstances. And um, I think we can relate to characters that genuinely uh, have obstacles the way that uh, Sean Murphy does. And you've talked a lot about the fact that there's a personal connection to uh, dealing with people on the spectrum, and you've been able to bring your experience and your understanding of that to the show. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. I was uh, nominated for the Critics' Choice Awards uh, the other night. Um, <laughs> they literally skipped my category. Not only didn't I win, but they actually skipped my category <laughs> I and saw just announced that. <laughs> the winner, which was uh, Noah Emmerich, who's a lovely and wonderful actor and a good friend. Um, 
uh, and I asked Noah uh, shortly after that. I said, "Did you know that they were going to just skip skip the whole category?" <laughs> I think it was because Christian Bale gave a thirty-seven minute uh, acceptance speech, <laughs> and they and they, this was their contingency plan in case they ran over. I don't know, but in that speech, I was going to talk about. Uh, I didn't expect to win, but I wrote a speech just from past experiences of not writing speeches and forgetting to thank uh, certain important people like my wife. So I wrote something down um, and uh, I talked about, um, I would have talked about uh, how um, my personal life uh, um, uh, directly affected whether I took this role or not and who I modeled this character after and, um, uh, and how important uh the challenges of autism are. Yeah. So it was very much a part of why I chose to do it. Your character is, first of all, he's a very good person, but not particularly demonstrative. Does that make it a greater acting challenge to play someone who's, whose character traits are pretty subtle? Um, I, I like that about him. Um, uh, he is somewhat complex. Um, uh, and I like that. Um, he's not the most gregarious person in the world, and he's not the most open person in the world. And I think his uh, personal history is part of the reason why um, he uh, changed his life uh, for the sake of, of um, helping uh, someone else's life, meaning Sean. And he took Sean as a young person uh, and became his mentor and guardian. Um, and I think it's because of his, his you know, the, the, the lack of connection in his own personal life. You know, he's, he was divorced. His daughter had tragically died. And, um, so there's, uh, there's some, uh, depth to his choices in life and they don't come easy, I think. Uh, and he's not, particularly great at at certain things you know he's, he's not um he's not an easy guy let's put it that way and so that's uh you know to play someone who's in, intrinsically uh good which i think he is uh he's a, let's face it he's a he's a health uh caregiver to begin with um he's someone who wants to make things better for people <clears throat> and um and spends his life doing that. Uh, and yet he is, uh, you know, carries some pain with him and, um, finds other aspects of life somewhat challenging. So, uh, it's a good, it's a good combination to, to bring to, to, uh, to a character. We're talking with Richard Schiff here on downtown. Well, you mentioned Freddie Highmore. He is wonderful, uh, obviously an English actor, and whether it's Freddie Highmore or Christian Bale, I'm always astounded when people say, oh, my goodness, their American accents are so good. We're so quick to give British actors compliments for that. Nobody ever says that an American actor does a great job with a British accent, but I understand you had an experience uh, with showing off your Shakespearean skills. Um, what, what experience are you referring to? Well, I was reading about, uh, you doing some Shakespeare work, uh, and I don't, I don't recall if it was in a play or if it was, uh, if it was in a class and they were complimenting you that your, your accent was the way it might've been delivered in, in Shakespeare's time. Mm. 
yeah, that was a story I, I told in an interview about um, this whole uh, uh, idea of how uh, Shakespeare should be delivered. Um, and I was doing a workshop with the Royal Shakespeare Company uh, guy named Pierre. Um, and it was a mask class in which you would put on a mask, create a character, and then do an improv. And at some point, uh, get to uh, the material that you prepared, whether it was a soliloquy or a sonnet or whatever. And um, just so happened that this character that developed from the mask work was this uh, guy from Georgia who was a truck driver. And I don't know why that came to me, but you kind of just go with it in this kind of a situation. And um, uh, and then this uh, monologue came out of me, and I had never experienced Shakespeare just flowing out of me uh, so with such facility. And it just made sense, and it was just weird, and everybody commented on it afterwards. And the the te- the, uh, the teacher, the workshop leader, um, Pierre, from the Royal Shakespeare Company, then proceeded to tell us that, well, in fact, in the, Shakespeare, the, the closest um, manner of speech uh, uh, that exists today, um, that is um, the closest to Elizabethan talk, uh, is Southern English, Southern American. So there are pockets in, like, still in Appalachia, I've been in Ocracoke, which is 100 miles off the shore in North Carolina. Um, Ocracoke used to, uh, until television, used to um, speak uh, almost uh, strictly in Elizabethan fashion because they were so isolated from the rest of America. Um, And when they settled uh, in the Outer Banks, they uh, didn't change. And so there was, linguists will go to these little pockets in Appalachia and in the South and 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 places like Ocracoke and study it, or they did in the last century, and found that uh, this is very much the way Elizabethans must have spoken in in the, back in the day. So that's why uh, the language just seemed to flow out of me, um, which I found fascinating. Now, if you look at um, someone like... Uh, Kevin Spacey, who I understand, uh, also did a workshop with, um, found this out much later, with uh, uh, Pierre from the Royal Shakespeare Company. If you look at what he did on House of Cards, he, he took a Southern accent, and House of Cards was very much a Shakespearean type of, um, um, uh, you know, um, uh, in style, very mm-hmm. much Shakespearean in style. It, it was kind of like Macbeth. And he had just done Richard III on a worldwide tour. And I think that's part of the reason why he made those choices. We don't have to talk about the other aspects of Kevin Spacey right now. <laughs> but yeah, he is a very, very talented actor. And, and uh, I found it very interesting when I first watched that show that he had chosen his southern accent to do this very Shakespearean character. We're talking with Richard Schiff here on Downtown, the podcast. When we come back, we look back 20 years and talk with Richard about his work on The West Wing. 
Right now, this word from Cross Insurance. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With the network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. We're back on Downtown, the podcast. Well, 20 years ago, NBC premiered a new series about the uh, backstage happenings at the White House. The West Wing became a huge hit, a critical favorite as well, and has found its way into a number of top 10 all-time lists and certainly a fan favorite as well. Richard Schiff played Toby Ziegler uh, for much of the length of that series, and we had a chance to talk with him about his work with Aaron Sorkin and that tremendous cast on the West Wing. Uh, This year marks the 20th anniversary of the premiere of the West Wing, a much-beloved, critically acclaimed show, and and certainly for for somebody like me and a lot of others who are political junkies, fascinated by that. But but I also think a big part of the success of that show was the personal relationships of the characters that were every bit as compelling as the making of government. Well, I think... um... I think one of the brilliant um, elements of what Aaron Sorkin does as a writer, not only does he have a brilliant mind and a thorough understanding of what he writes about, clearly he does all the research, whether it's Kill a Mockingbird, which is brilliant. I just saw it a few weeks ago on Broadway uh, and how much he delves into that world uh, in early century of, uh, uh, South uh, during racial, um, very, very severe racial uh, strife. But um, in the case of politics, he's a lover of American uh, government and the American experiment uh, and all that. But he but he understands that people form families and that he wrote uh, this this group of people as a very close knit family with severe flaws and many times dysfunctioning, but, uh, their, their bonds and their singular purpose, um, or communal purpose, I should say, are uh, 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 created this, this very intense and, uh, loving and supportive family. And, uh, if you look at it, you really have, um, President Bartlett and Leo are really the parents. And then you have the siblings, which is Josh and Sam and, and Toby and CJ, you know? Um, uh, and, uh, uh, and if you look at it in that regard, it's, it, you'll, you'll see that family elements are very much a part of it. The, the, the brothers that fight, you know, um, uh, they all kind of bicker and, and, uh, have disputes, but in the end, um, uh, they're there for each other, and, and I think that was part of what made it so um, uh, easy to connect emotionally to those characters and to those stories. I understand that you've spoken with Aaron Sorkin about a possible idea for a, a reboot, a reimagining of the show, but perhaps one not focused on the White House, but more at the grassroots level? 
Um, that was just an idea that I expressed to him, um, which he was uh, uh, very um, uh, positive in his response. But um, we also made it very clear uh, how unlikely it is that this would ever happen. Um, uh, so everyone's always asking questions. And so we had a conversation when we were talking and I just had this idea and, uh, it's probably one of, you know, 20 ideas that I'm sure he thinks are great, um, about how to, how to do a reboot or a, or a sequel if that were to ever happen. But, um, you know, he's busy, (laughs) (laughs) all of us and all of us, um, and the old cast are busy. And the, and the one thing he expressed publicly was that if it ever happened, that Sterling K. Brown would be president. Well, Sterling K. Brown is busy. (laughs) So, um, you know, the likelihood that this will ever happen is very, very low. Um, I think I would love it. Um, if it was my idea, um, but, uh, if it's in the white house, then I don't see how Toby would be involved unless he just you know, uh, was a consultant or, uh, you know, he wouldn't be in the white house. Um, so, uh, uh, so I don't know, you know, how, how it could ever actually, uh, come to, come to pass. And I think the time, the timing of it will be missed of a past. In other words, in the last two years was the time for it. You know, in, in my opinion, if it was going to have an effect on, how this country perceives its 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 political situation, you know. Well, now um, now it might be a, a mess. It might be a, a mess right now. A fantasy Sorry, for us to watch a, a show where there's a government that's actually functioning and where the people working in it care about the American people. Well, we have that in the old West Wing, right? You know? I mean, and people are doing that, and you know, still I'm on a, what's apparently a hit show, and yet seventy percent of my tweets are still about the West Wing. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, and new generations discover it. I'm shocked to find that, uh, young people, teenagers and college students. And so I was just back in DC, uh, doing interviews for the Hill, uh, during the swearing in ceremonies, which I, which was a great experience, um, interviewing, uh, Congressman Schiff and Lou and, um, Delora and, uh, and Ruta from Orange County. And, um, uh, and I'd run into young staffers who would, you know, just like 15 years ago or 10 years ago, if I was in DC would come up to me and go, your show is the reason I'm doing this. I modeled my career after you. And, you know, uh, and they're 22 years old, you know? So it's, uh, that show is, I think where you go, if you want to, uh, to fantasize about what government uh, can be and, and, and what it, would be if, if everyone if everyone had a communal uh, purpose to make the world a better place than how they found it, which is uh, which is what you want from elected officials. Uh, we don't have that. Um, I'm not sure we've had it for a while, and um, though I certainly think Obama um, uh, came from that place, but um, uh, uh, you know. So I, I think if you were to do a, a a new West Wing type show, or if Aaron were to do a new show, it, you you couldn't do that now. I don't think it, it wouldn't it wouldn't pass uh, the mustard. You'd have to go somewhere else. Um, 
and you know, my idea was going to the grassroots level, um, but uh, uh, and really get into the to the uh, nitty gritty of, of of where politics really happens. Um, and if, and one of the reasons why I think we've gone off the path is because of the state level um, uh, manipulations of of, of je- such as gerrymandering and and um, voter suppression and so on, which has kind of led us to this place right now. Uh, Richard, or allowed it to happen. Sorry, you're, you're on the national advisory board for the uh, Council for a Livable World. How? How do we do damage control as a nation when you have a president who has uh, alienated our allies and, and given comfort to uh, people who have been our traditional enemies? That, to me, is the, the long-term prognosis is not good for repairing those relationships. It's hard to believe so much damage could be done in such a short time. Well, you know, as I have said before at times, um, you know, how long does it take to build a beautiful sandcastle and how quickly um, and easy does it take an eight-year-old to destroy it? Mm. Um, you know, uh, and that's what we have. It's much easier and faster to destroy than it is to construct and to build. And um, this uh, president um, has stated out loud that uh, this the state should be destroyed. He he's said it many, many times, as has Steve Bannon and Steve Miller. So um, uh, they believe in the destruction of the state. That's what they're intending on doing, and that's what they're succeeding in doing. And um, uh, repairing that is going to take a long, long time. Um, The first first step is to um, uh, put a a man or a woman in the Oval Office who who has the intentions uh, that that fit the bill, which is to um, create coalition and to create partnerships uh, or recreate them um, with our uh, traditional allies, understand who our enemies are and why they're our enemies, um, and um, uh, and find a way to ameliorate the the the, the, the hatred and and the vitriol um, uh, that's created this uh, terrorist crisis. Um, you know, it all, to me, comes down to economics, you know, you you have, uh, 17 year old kids in Afghanistan, Iraq, and, you know, probably Iran and, and, um, Saudi Arabia and other places in, in that region that, uh, are impoverished, have no hope, um, and are getting offered, um, money that can support their families and themselves to to fight for ISIS and and other organizations that will, that are that whose sole purpose is to see our destruction. And if they had if they had an opportunity for to make a living and to, if there was economic viability, um, uh, I don't think that I think that issue becomes minuscule. You know, I think it gets removed. You know, how did it happen in Northern Ireland? Northern Ireland got economic viability, um, and it, it seemed to um, curtail the, the crisis there for quite some time, for 20 years now. And so um, uh, you need somebody in the in the Oval Office who can um, start working towards a world where um, 
where uh, most of the world isn't desperate and impoverished and um, uh, and in, and living in crisis. Richard, thank you so much. Uh, been an admirer of your work and your activism for a long time. We really appreciate you making time for us today. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much, Rich, and uh, have a great day. Very interesting conversation with um, a smart, interesting guy, Richard Schiff, actor, director. You can see him on ABC's The Good Doctor and uh, counterpart as well. Got a lot of things going, and it was fun for us to have a chance to talk with him. I, I like it when we get to learn about uh, actors beyond just the roles that they play. Yeah, you get a little more glimpse at the person once you get past talking, or even talking about the characters they've played, you, you sort of get a glimpse of, of them as well. And then with him, uh, you know, his activist work is, is very, very important. Passionate about uh, what he believes. Richard Schiff here on Downtown the Podcast. Hey, thanks to you for being with us this week. We'll catch you next time. We remind you, Downtown the Podcast is brought to you by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength.